definitely human. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Four strangers have been thrown together by circumstance in rural Cumbria, 1919. As if discovering a grisly murder wasn't bad enough, now their own lives have been threatened by wild beasts and wilder men. Our heroes want nothing more than to escape this nightmare, but the unrelenting storm outside has trapped them in the infinite bad. The Secret of Drakelow Hall, Part 5 The soldiers are playing cards, measuring the drudgery of another day in this remote convalescence house with languid hands of cribbage. But as their boredom finds its rhythm, the silence is suddenly shattered by a scream. It's the voice of Joe Wakerly. Sounds of confusion ring through the bare and sterile hallways and the soldiers rise from their seats and beds. Approaching the scene of burgeoning violence, the muddy sounds clarify. They hear the dull thuds of ineffectual blows, the shouts of a young girl, the footsteps of scattering nurses, and then, after an interrupted gasp, silence again. Recoiling in dread as their comrade Joe is dragged from the ward, the soldiers can still pick out our heroes in the disorder. Cornelia Cavendish, shoe raised with pride. Joy Dutton, wielding a crutch. Dorothy Taylor, frowning in concern. And Sebastian St. Battenberg, slumped in a chair. Uh, I sort of look up and say, <laughs> and then I pass out again. <laughs> Uh, so one of the nurses, uh, Nurse Boskin, seems actually quite concerned with you. You look groggy, your eyes are kind of dilated and swing, swiveling well in different now. directions. Uh, she asks if she can take a look at you. Uh, I'm fine. <laughs> uh, so Honestly, she... it's nothing. 
she can see your your many obvious wounds. Uh, your nose looks like it's been knocked askew by the uh, by the blow to your face that that Joe landed. Uh, you've got a big welt uh, on on your jaw from the shoe blow that Cornelia landed, and you've got a massive shoe. You've got a massive hoof print on your chest from the stag. <laughs> So uh, she tells you to lie down. Couldn't be better. Don't worry. But actually, uh, Dorothy said she would uh, see that I was all right. So uh, no need for you to bother yourself. You can be on your jolly way. It's fine. Yeah. Okay. I'm step forward and start busying myself. Okay. Just like touching his yeah, face. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Uh, you figure that you can. Uh, there's a couple of unguents in the medicinal cabinet that you can apply to. His, uh, his more topical wounds on his jaw and his <laughs> chest. Um, so if you want to do that, make a medicine check. 14. Okay, brilliant. Uh, so roll a d4 for me. Two. Suddenly so you take two hit points back from uh, Dorothy's Thank medical you attentions. Thank you are very welcome. So, yeah, sorry about this. It's just I'm not sure if I entirely trust the staff here. I think you're quite right. <laughs> So, uh, at this point, Joe's body has been brought away. It looks like he's been dragged to the kitchens. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) The other patients are looking around. They are mostly in the Great Hall, so they just see Joe's massive body being dragged across the Great Hall from the nursery into the kitchen. Uh, They're all looking slightly flustered, like a little bit outraged. What's Joe done? I've not seen him do anything. What about William Corner? Uh, William Corner is still in his bed, and he's still kind of smiling blankly and vacantly. Mm-hmm. Um, still a trickle of blood coming down his his mouth. It's now reached his chin. Uh, and the other soldiers are demanding explanations from Nurse Ackland. Nurse Ackland ignores them for a few seconds, brings Joe's body into the kitchen, closes the door. A few seconds pass. Uh, all the soldiers are up and about, rolling their cigarettes, looking around, concerned, looking at you guys, not really understanding what your role is in all this. And then Nurse Ackland comes back out and silences them by slamming the kitchen door. And she says, right, this has gone on too long. All activities are now suspended. Patients will return to their beds. Uh... And she start with this. She gives such a fierce and baleful glare at the at the patients that they all fall in line, even though some of them look mutinous about it. Uh, as they do so, she follows them in and continues to berate them. Now she insists: uh, "You're to take all clothes off, lie face down on the beds, and I don't want to hear anything out of you for the rest of the day." The patients begin to comply. Rosalind, is this really necessary? <laughs> She says, discipline must be maintained, young lady. You, you've never had to run a ward like this, so shan't question my methods now. I beg your pardon, but I ran a field hospital for two years, Nurse Not a ward like this, Nurse Taylor. What? We are dealing with some of the most severe cases of shell shock. <laughs> we must take Christ. a... <laughs> we must uh. take a firm hand with them. The last I checked... I do not think that having patients lie face down naked on beds is accepted treatment for shell shock. Miss Taylor, make a, a persuasion check. Five. Miss Taylor, I understand that our methods are different from those that you might be accustomed to. Barbaric. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
Miss <laughs> Taylor turns on her heel and walks away behind Miss Taylor. Uh, sorry, Miss Taylor. Uh, Nurse Ackland turns on her heel and walks away. Behind her, uh, you notice Tom's figure. He's been looking at this conversation at you. And he doesn't say anything, but he fixes you. His brow is low, but his eyes are raised to meet yours. And you can see his hand is still in his coat pocket. And he says, I trust you won't make any more trouble for us. Wow. I think I say that and then I just turn away. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, so the patients pretty much stay like that for the next four hours or so. The nurses pretend like nothing's really happening. They busy themselves. Some of them do minor medical tasks, uh, almost as if it's for show on the on the patients occasionally, uh, changing a couple of their linens, uh, a couple of bandages get changed, temperatures get taken. Nigel walks in at one point and has a look around the ward, almost as if he's looking for something a bit distracted. Uh, then he looks at his watch, turns around and wanders back out again. The only presence that is constant is Tom's presence, and he's now basically standing at the threshold of the nursery ward and the Great Hall, just looking around as you, uh, confined to the, to the first floor now, are milling around the Great Hall, absentmindedly looking at cards. Make a perception check, all of you. Six, ten, fourteen, fifteen. So, uh, both of you have 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 sat at the table now and are both of whom? Uh, Cornelia mm-hmm. and and uh, Sebastian are sat at the table now, absentmindedly looking at the cards that have been abandoned now by the game that the patients were playing. Uh, instead, Dorothy and 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 Joy, uh, you're poking around uh, the ward under Tom's gaze, not really sure what you're allowed to do and what might provoke his ire again. Uh, You do notice, though, one of the magazines that one of the patients is reading. On it, there is the picture of a prominent lady, Lady Diana Cooper. Uh, She was one of the most prominent socialites of this era and widely considered one of the most beautiful women in Britain. But what catches your eye is that she looks precisely like Angela Gresley. Uh, A few hours later, the dinner bell is rung again. So they've been lying face down on their cots naked for six hours? About six hours, yeah. Uh, occasionally one of them is allowed to be escorted to the bathroom and then brought straight back. Mm. So now the patients are allowed to get dressed again and sit at the table for dinner. And Nurse Ackland is treating this as a, as a, a great act of charity uh, and makes it very clear through her body language and the tone of her voice that it is on a knife edge, this act of generosity. So, understandably, uh, dinner is an even more muted affair tonight. There's almost no conversation now. There's only the resonant clink of silverware against the porcelain and a slight rattle of a fork being drawn across the teeth. You are indeed being served venison, uh, um, cooked relatively well in, in fillets. Uh, you look down at your, at your, at your plate as it's, uh, as it's now arrayed, you can see small pools of glistening fat grouped together like a cluster of boils on each of the slices of venison. And it, it, the more you look at it, the more your appetite for it starts to fade. I eat the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, and so does Nigel. And Nigel, Nigel's wolfing it all down, as is Tom. Uh, Angela, too, in her, in her dainty way, is, is, has eaten all of it. And, and each of them has been served a particularly large portion, you notice. Uh, As I'm eating it and just sort of 
not even bothering to close my mouth as I'm eating it, just bits of meat are falling on back onto the plate. I turn to Dorothy and I say, I think, you know, something odd is going on here. <laughs> there's something probably that we have to do about it because the mistreatment of the, the poor soldiers, it's, it's not right. We need a plan or something. It's, and you're saying this very loudly? Yes. At the dinner table. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> No, I mean, it's, you know, kind of about as loud as I just did. <laughs> <laughs> so Nurse Ackland and, and Tom are now looking very, <laughs> with, with great interest at, uh, at you and at your response, Dorothy. Hmm. I mean, what, are you with me on this? Or, what do you th- or am I going to have to go lone wolf on this? <laughs> Mr. St. Battenberg, I think we're going to have to trust the staff here. They have been dealing with this for much longer than, than either of us have. Hmm. I'm lying again, though, hmm. guys. This is still hmm. lie. I believe every word. I'm like, you're right. What was I thinking? <laughs> I don't know anything about being a nurse. Maybe this is the right thing to do. To, to, I mean, I, maybe I should have tried it. <laughs> You've given me a lot to think about, Dorothy. Thank you. Anytime, Mr. St. Battenberg. <laughs> so uh, Nigel finishes his meal and he murmurs to himself, mm, very good indeed, very good indeed. My, my compliments, Nurse Ackland. Uh, he gets up and goes back upstairs. You notice that a couple of the nurses uh, go with him as he's taken to the right wing of the second floor where he and his family sleeps. Uh, at this point, the, uh, Nurse Ackland, who isn't one of the nurses who's gone up to escort him, uh, gets up and to the patients, some of whom have not yet finished eating, says, Right, back to bed with all of you now. Good long night's rest. That's what we need. Absolutely. Couldn't have put it better myself. <laughs> Okay. Do you any? How's the storm outside? The storm is more powerful than ever. It's not letting up at all. Oh, how? What are the? How do the soldiers respond? So the soldiers are kind of getting up with uh, with this symphony of scraping and and creaking of the chairs. Uh, a lot of them are going back without making any protest, uh, but you notice a couple of them do seem to be giving you significant glances. Uh, Pleading glances, almost. Mm. <laughs> I nod and wave as they go by. <laughs> Good night. Good night. I would yes. like to sneak upstairs, um, and if possible, I would also like to en- enter the medicine cabinet and steal one of those um, syringes in case for whatever yeah, lies yeah. ahead tonight. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm going to uh, talk to one of the soldiers. I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is uh, is Joe Wakerly, William Corner, or um, the other Arthur Watson, or any of them at the dinner? So uh, Arthur Watson is not. Okay. William Corner was still in bed. He seemed to be bedridden. Yeah. Uh, and Joe Wakerly is not. Okay. So let's do your steel. So the the medicine cabinet is on the ground floor next to the Grey Hall. So let's do that first. Make a stealth check. Twelve. Okay. Yeah, that's enough. No one notices you as you sneak in. Uh, you notice that there's maybe half a dozen of these syringes. Uh, one of them is spent, and the you can take one of the other ones though. It's about this big though, so it's <laughs> it's about it's, how, it's, how big it's about a foot long uh, syringe. So okay, I think I can probably put it into my jacket along with the pistol. Yep. Okay. <laughs> yeah. you, Just you, you emerge out with your slightly lumpy-looking jacket now. Um, yeah, that's fine. And uh, then you head back upstairs. Uh, you said you were trying to talk to the soldiers, mm-hmm. and what did you say you were doing? I'm going to talk to the soldiers as well. 
Okay, so uh, the soldiers have now been put to bed, uh, but Tom is loitering in the hallway uh, between the Great Hall and the nursery. Maybe we need a diversion. Yeah, I'll talk to Tom. Okay. I'm going to trust you to talk to the soldiers. Okay. So, what do you say to Tom? I'm just making really charming small talk. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm asking him about the history of the grounds. Mm -hmm. It seems like he would want to talk about that. Make a persuasion check. 20. Oh, wow. What? Nice. I told you my small truck was charming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so you walk up to him and just in full flow, uh, manage to absolutely charm him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you pick up on exactly what he seems to be interested in. You see his eyes perk up when you mention the grounds. He says, oh, I know. I spent so much time caring for the grounds, but does anyone notice? No. He starts talking <laughs> about uh, one of the depressions in, in the green outside that he actually had filled in uh, a couple of years ago, but then it subsided again because the the groundwater was all wrong. But you're really inter- you're really showing that you're interested in this. You're asking, you know, in pointed questions to get him to lead in questions to get him to talk even more about it. Uh, he starts going to the window and he says, oh, I know it's rainy outside, but here I'll show you. See, that's where he points to a completely ordinary stretch of ground. He says, that's where the depression was, Dorothy. <laughs> um, okay, Joy, uh, no, not Joy, uh, Cornelia, now you are able to go in, make a stealth check at advantage. <clears throat> 17. Nice. Okay. Uh, Tom is completely distracted, uh, doesn't notice you go in at all. And now you're in the ward. Can I find one of the ones that looked at us at dinner? Yes. You could pick out a, a man. He looks thin, underfed. He has darting eyes and graying stubble. Uh, he's one of the few who hasn't gone to sleep yet. Uh, the others seem to be just tossing in their beds, uh, happy that they're no longer being required to lie face down and still. Uh, but this man has furtively lit a cigarette and is smoking it on the other, with his head down on the other side of the bed um, with his back to the door. Like a little fancy. May I join you? Uh, he looks up at you and with a start and tries to... a cigarette. Oh, and so as soon as... him down. When you do, it calm, It does calm him down, and he looks up at you. Uh, now his darting eyes are fearful, but there's a hint of hope in them, and he says, oh, All right, madam. Doing your bit for your country, very commendable. <laughs> Why are you here, though? Oh, uh, fought in the war now. Now I've got this shell shock, madam. Can't go anywhere now. Mm, any dental worries? <laughs> oh, well, what few teeth I have left. Pretty healthy, I suppose. He uh, he grins at you, and you can see that he's maybe got half a dozen teeth left. Mm. He whispers over to you conspiratorially. He says, Arthur Watson's not come back. He's not come back. Where did he go? He got taken away into the kitchens. And then, and then I don't know, I, I thought I saw Tom and, and Dr. Blythe going outside. Into the woods, maybe. I don't know, but he's not come back. I don't think he's coming back. Gotta help us, Miss Cavendish. Does he seem sure that they went outside? Because he said into the kitchen. Yeah, make an insight check. It's just wisdom. So nine. Nine. Uh, From what you can tell, he seems like he's a bit confused himself. Uh, He's clearly very afraid. But his story about them going outside had more detail in it than him... Then Arthur being brought into the kitchen. You suspect that that Arthur may have been brought directly into the kitchen after the meal. But then later he saw Tom and Dr. Blythe going outside mm, and okay. suspected it had something to do with it. 
do you know William Corner? Oh, yeah, Will. He looks over and indeed William Corner is still there, his eyes still open blankly, staring up at the ceiling. Occasionally he kind of laughs and his, his mouth creases into a smile as if laughing at some unknown joke. He's been like that since I came. How long have you been here? Oh, since the war ended. Maybe ten months now. Hmm. Could you ask him where he lost his key? That seemed like it would be rude. <laughs> yeah, I no, I didn't. What are you saying about my teeth? Yeah. I'm very sensitive. Is that literally like, is that you don't want to raise suspicion or you literally just think it would be rude? I just don't want to make him self conscious. <laughs> he seems like a nice guy. He's, He's been, been through, through a lot. lot. Yeah. He's got the shell shock. Yeah. He's got the shell shock. Yeah. Do you maybe want to ask him about Joe Waverly? Wakerly? Yeah, all right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to ask him if he knows. Ah, well. oh, I don't know what set Joe off like that, but they, I guess they took him to the kitchens now. I haven't seen him. God, he's missing too now. They'll have done with him what they did to Arthur. How many people have gone missing? You can see he starts counting on his fingers as if he's never thought about it before. And he says, oh, Miss Cavendish, you've got to help us. Are new people being brought in? Well, sure. Yous has been brought here. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good night, sir. <laughs> walk away. <laughs> Thinking about what I've heard. <laughs> hmm. Mm. Okay. Mm. I'm going to ask Tom about the forest at the mm-hmm. end of my charming small talk. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask him just that it, it seems like the forest is an interesting place. Is there anything in the forest? Make a persuasion check. As soon as you say this, his face falls, drops all the way to the ground, and he looks at you with hardened eyes, and he says, Why are you asking about the forest? Well, we just, well, we, we, there was the stag, which is unusual, uh, and it's a beautiful forest. I was just wondering, a history of the forest, or... Is your history. The forest is full of stags and it's beautiful. I <laughs> know more about the forest, Dorothy. There's nothing in the forest. There's nothing in the forest, Dorothy. There's something in the forest, guys. There is. I, I think, think there is. I think he's like, stags. <laughs> <laughs> he turns around and he says, I think you better go to bed, Dorothy. Uh, I'm, I've just been smoking this whole time. <laughs> Blowing smoke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. No, that sounds like sensible. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So now we've gone to bed. Yeah, everyone's gone to bed. Uh, mm-hmm. Tom is loitering around the stairwell, though, waiting for you guys to go to bed. <laughs> well, we've done this trick before. <laughs> <laughs> we worked perfectly last time. <laughs> uh, but there's got to be another exit, um, like through the kitchen. Mm. Like maybe we could pretend that we need some biscuits before we go to bed. And we can just... four of us need biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> if you stay here, we'll get you a biscuit too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like a bit of a midnight snack and then but then, but then we but then we actually just, just leave. Sleep. Through the Can we get a biscuit on the way? <laughs> yeah. It seemed foolish sensible not to. Plan. Yeah, yeah we sensible. might as well. Yeah. Okay, so expect biscuits to be gone. Yeah. <laughs> Who wants to make the persuade check? Well, 16 charisma. Go for it. Two. 
<laughs> says, there's no biscuits, Miss Cavendish. Get you some Cookies. cold... We've got cold venison and cold consomme. Very well. We'll have those. <laughs> yeah. He says, let me go get them. And he goes into the kitchen. So let's go through the front door. Let's go. Yeah, we're out. Okay. Let's through go. The front door. Okay. Well, we don't have any lanterns, do we? Uh, that's going to be a problem, isn't it? Uh, where, where, where are you, where are you going? <laughs> to the forest, come with us! <laughs> Nothing weird, I swear! <laughs> we just want to go into the forest. What? No, obviously not. I thought we established that nothing strange was going on here and we were all going to go to bed. I think you said you were going to get biscuits. Tom will be right back in just a moment. But not with biscuits! <laughs> Tell him, Cornelia. Tell him what? Tell him everything, he doesn't know about the soldier or what... Oh, it's been said. <laughs> of course you won't. I can tell him everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, we should probably go to the forest. Yes. Check that out. Okay, so uh, make a stealth check. Uh, yeah, all of you. 18. 13. 12. 1. <laughs> oh, <laughs> is it the medicine bag again? <laughs> it's, 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 it's basically a set of maracas in your medicine bag. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so now, once again, the latch coming open on the front door makes the, the, the whirling sound of the storm start coming in, and it's very noticeable. Dorothy. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm afraid that you, the sound of the storm frightened, it startles you to such an extent that you make a yelp. Um, how you can hear some dishes clattering in the kitchen and someone swearing as they start coming out. So. Are they out now? Do they know it's us? No. Oh. Yeah, let's just, yeah, let's make a quick getaway. Okay. They won't know it's us, it's fine. Okay. <laughs> You rush out. Uh, close. Do you close the door behind you? I think I do, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so now you're outside. The rain is now driving in such cold and heavy sheets that you're finding it difficult to see even 20 feet ahead of you. Mm. I forgot about the rain! <laughs> Strangely, though, you can still hear a cacophony of bird calls all around you. You take a step forward and are almost immediately soaked through. The grass on the green shines a bright, unwholesome colour. And what bare ground there is between the stables and the kennels is now a grey-brown morass of thick, sucking mud. Behind you, you can see the manor looming up in the rain, its windows darkened, its chimneys smokeless, like the shadow of a vast and unknown ship in a storm. You can see uh, through the window that some of the some silhouette is rushing around the Great Hall. Uh, doesn't seem to have emerged from the front door yet. You talked about the grass mm-hmm. glowing? Yeah, it's just glowing like a really vivid green. Occult check. Yeah. Twelve. So there is something unwholesome about this grass. (laughs) (laughs) I note the grass (laughs) to the others. It's just grass! Cornelia keeps talking about, like, lemons and grass and stuff. (laughs) Why is she coming with us? I don't understand. (laughs) I get the scary uh, shadow child. (laughs) Why the crazy old lady? We might need something hit with a shoe, so... You might need another We might indeed! (laughs) Tasted the the might of the shoe. I just sort of rub my wound thoughtfully. (laughs) Mmm, indeed. (laughs) Mm. Okay, we head off. 
Okay, guys, make a perception check to peer through the driving rain. Two. Two. It's raining! Cornelia, you, uh, even with your eyes clouded with the incipient uh, signs of cataracts, you manage to see... (laughs) (laughs) You manage to see uh, what looks like a discarded white bit of cloth in the distance where the path curves around the back of the manor. I pointed out triumphantly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The rest of you, what do you want to do? Let's go check out the cloth. Yeah, yeah let's go yeah, check out the cloth. Sensible. All right, I mean, it seems like a waste of time, but fine. <laughs> uh, just as the path is turning around the manor, you see this discarded bit of cloth. As you approach it, you notice that it is a nurse apron, nurse's apron, and it has been discarded. It's got uh, a few reddish brown stains in the front of it, and it's got a large pocket in the front. Is there anything in the pocket? Yes, inside the pocket, you can see a relatively large quantity of lemon peel. It's quite a pleasant scent. Okay. <clears throat> Is lemon peel anything medicinal? Can I do a medicine check on that? Go for it. Six. This is full of ascorbic acid, vitamin C. <laughs> Can I do an occult check on that? Mm-hmm. Seven. There's something unwholesome about this. <laughs> <laughs> and can I do a perception check? Mm-hmm. Two. So this lemon peel you surmise probably came from the lemon trees in the garden. Okay. This is a lemon peel. <laughs> Unwholesome lemon peel, I should say. Oh, ascorbic acid. <laughs> we all look at joy. <laughs> I think we've all done very well. <laughs> Can I do a perception check as well? Mm-hmm. I don't know what I would know. Being 15. 15. Okay, uh, you can see in the, in the mud that there are relatively deep footprints uh, leading towards, cur- curling around the manor towards the garden. I think we should follow these footprints. They seem to curve out towards the garden. Oh, yes. Well, fresh, well spotted. Are they fresh footprints? Does it look, do they look fresh? They look Relatively fresh. fresh if they're still around in this rain. Mm. Mm. Are there stables? Did you mention the beginning Yes, there, there were stables past the Foxhound Kennels. Which is close to the garden, right? Yes. So we could maybe get a lantern from there. It's just bothering me that we're planning to go into the woods without any source of light. That seems insane. But our eyes will adjust, no? No, I suppose no. There's no like, there's no moon or anything out. It's, yeah. it's is there a moon out? So you can't. There probably is, but you can't see it behind the the clouds. Okay, let's go in search of light. Okay, uh, you can see. You can follow the trail of footprints relatively well. It doesn't seem like anyone's been out today, so these are pretty much the only footprints around. Uh, the footprints go, in fact, into the garden, then back out. And at this point, standing in front of the garden, um, you can see the stables in front of you. Uh, you can also see. A couple of dead foxhounds, their carcasses, uh, one in front of the kennel and one further out on the green, uh, nearing to the woods. How, what are their injuries? How did they die? Uh, you can go up and, and inspect them. I'm going to inspect them. With your medicine check. 18. Okay, it looks like there are no particular injuries on them. It looks like their necks have been snapped. Mm. I tell the group their necks have been snapped. My God. Why would someone do that? They're such big dogs. I sadly pat the dead dog's head. They knew something was up when we saw them the other day. Hmm. Uh, is there a lantern around? 
Yeah, so in the stables, uh, you see a few skittish horses, about four skittish horses. Uh, there's a small stand at the end of the stable, and you can pick up a couple of gas lanterns from them, which uh, yes. still have a bit of fuel left in them. Nice. And then okay. I guess now that we've got light, we follow the footprints. Is there anything else in the stable? Should we just like do a quick... Mm. Uh, I've stables. already walked <laughs> <laughs> You can see just some basic uh, horse riding paraphernalia. There's a couple of horseshoes, some okay. shodding nails, a hammer, some riding crops. A riding crop and hammer might come in handy. Weapons. Yeah. I have my shoe. I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> you're fine. You're fine. Um, yeah, I'm going to take the riding crop. Yeah. I grab the hammer. Okay, cool. I guess we'll have the lanterns then. Yeah. I have a range of things going on right now. <laughs> <laughs> Arsenal. <laughs> okay, so back outside the stables, you can see the second of the dead foxhounds just limply lying sadly in the middle of this beautiful, healthy grass on the way to the forest. You want to follow that trail, basically? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sure. Our four heroes start to identify a piping sound as if the bird song they heard coming from the manor has resolved itself into some fell tune played by idiot hands. It's almost like bagpiping, but reedier and atonal. As they forge ahead, they start to discern the source of it. It's coming from the woods. Making their way into the woods in the height of this storm, our heroes are struck by their quality. These are dark, ancient woods, possibly even original to the island, before man stamped out the wild places of the country with fire and farmland. There are craggy trees here, with thick, wet, black trunks that drip water over them from spindly branches, and the fallen leaves of the season form a thick carpet that seems to absorb all sound except the rush of the rain and the piping. After about ten minutes of following the sound of the piping, our heroes see something, a pinprick of light just ahead. This is the light that Cornelia saw from the window the night before. Coming into this clearing, there is a shack, what might have been a groundskeeper's residence, nestled in these woods. There is some sort of lantern within the shack that gives off a faint and swaying light and beside it stands a protrusion of dark grey stone, as tall as a man, jutting obscenely from the softened ground. Making a cult check. Twelve. Twelve. Well, it's not, it doesn't take a, it doesn't take an incredibly learned mind of the occult to realise this is, uh, this does not, (laughs) this does not look like a native monolith, this looks like an obelisk. Uh, And it, it looks like, in fact, exactly like a uh, slightly smaller Egyptian obelisk. It's maybe 10 feet tall, slightly taller than man. Um, but it protrudes deeply from the black soil. There's no telling how deep into the earth it goes, but you can see that there are damp vines curling around its base, and you can see the pale yellow leaves from the trees above clinging to its rough edges. I point at it and say, look at that big rock! <laughs> this is the source of the piping sound. Uh, approaching it more closely... You can see that there are strange pictograms gouged into its mass by an inexpert hand, but you can also see uh, an intricate series of holes that go all the way through the corners of the obelisk, and that when the wind of the storm passes through them, seem to be creating this kind of piping, whistling sound. 
at this point, all of you guys make a wisdom check. Three. Ten. Twelve. Nineteen. All of you feel this overwhelming urge to step forward and touch the obelisk. You two manage to control yourselves, resist it, and take a step back, but you don't manage to stop uh, Cornelia and Sebastian, who, absurdly to your eyes, seem to take a step forward and place their hands upon the obelisk. Uh, so both of this you... This is fine. <laughs> yeah, this will be fine. Both of you gain ten dread uh, as you This feel... was not fine! <laughs> you feel horrified that the obelisk underneath you, uh, although you can see rain everywhere, you can see the wetness of the leaves glistening at the base of the obelisk, the obelisk itself is dry and warm. Uh, at exactly blood temperature, it is it is like taking the pulse of some enormous craggy beast, laying your hand, your palm across its, its stony mass. Good. <laughs> oh, this is horrible. The wind changes now and the whistling piping stops. Can we hear anything from inside the shack? Uh, just the, the light creaking, which sounds like a lantern swinging on its chain. I turn to Dorothy and say, come and touch this big rock. <laughs> it's really weird. It's really weird and horrible. I'm not going to do that. No. <laughs> what does it feel like? Uh, like a big fleshy rock. Like you can feel it breathing. It's horrible. Mm. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> No, I won't be touching that. Are you sure? It's very no, strange. No, no. Okay. Is there only one entrance into the shack? It looks like there's only one door and it has a padlock. What about windows? windows. There is a small window. We look through the window, like, a bit sneakily. Uh, make a stealth check. <coughs> Four. Okay, and now make a perception check. Eighteen. Eighteen. Okay. So uh, you kind of trudge up to the window, uh, crunching quite a few twigs under your, under your feet, hoping that no one's inside waiting for you. Um, you get up to the window and peer inside. However, the lantern seems to have been unhelpfully placed right near the window. Uh, it casts a light on, on something on the floor below, but most of the shack is still unlit by the relatively weak light of the gas lantern. You can see, though, some sort of dark liquid stains on the floor of the shack. Oh my god. But no movement. You don't detect any movement at all. Mm. Safe then. I think we need to look inside the shack. Safe to go in, yeah. Okay, so the door is padlocked. I would like to try my hammer. Great, go for it. Make a strength check. 17. Wow, okay. Uh, less through brute force and more through an accurate and precise striking of your hammer, uh, you manage to crack open the padlock with just one blow. Uh, it falls to the ground with a thud, and the door uh, almost invitingly swings open with the wind. I just stare at Joy, like, what the hell is going on with this kid? <laughs> <laughs> you step inside? Yes. yes. Okay. Who's stepping inside first? Me. Okay. I try to. <laughs> I try to step inside first, but Joy is like already in front of me. Like, uh, uh. The door creaks open, and our heroes enter the shack, only to be overwhelmed by a sickening stench, like stale, thick sweat, but a hundred times more acrid and palpable. A heavy note of blood cuts through with every other breath 
The lantern swings haphazardly on its chain, casting a weaving light over the charnel scene below. A vast mound lies in the middle of the shack, composed entirely of human teeth. There must be thousands, ranging from porcelain white to rotted brown, many stained with blood, all glistening as if only recently parted from their mouths. At the foot of the mound is the mutilated corpse of Arthur Watson. You've been listening to The Secret of Drakelow Hall, written by Giorgio Mariani and produced and edited by David Knight and Tom Dalling, with music by Jonathan Day. Starring Eleanor Kohler as Dorothy Taylor, Maximilian John as Cornelia Cavendish, David Knight as Sebastian St. Battenberg, and Charlie May as Joy Dutton. I am Giorgio Mariani, Games Master. You can follow The Infinite Bad, as well as our other podcast shows, on Twitter at HumanDefinitely and support the production of this series on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash definitely human. The Infinite Bad is a definitely human production. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.